All right, so I get the honor of reading our scripture today. It's going to be John 17. I am reading out of the ESV version. Um, so if you don't have the same version, it might sound a little bit different. Okay. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given to me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you give me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, that they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, they, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Thank you, Megan. Father, would you help us as we consider these words, uh, your word? I pray that you 
would give us hearts and minds that are soft, open to you this morning. That we wouldn't merely get more information about you, but we would experience more of you. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Megan. Um, thanks for being here, guys. My name is Simon. If we've not met, I'm the lead pastor here at Grace City, just one of several leaders we're here to serve. Um, this, quite a, quite a mouthful, 26 verses. Um, I suppose we could have broken it up into like a whole sermon series, several parts, but um, I think like much of Scripture, we, we would do well to, to not do that. Uh, this is Jesus' prayer at the very end of what we've been referring to as the upper room discourse. So starting back in John chapter 13, Jesus, um, just hours really before his betrayal, crucifixion, he gathers his disciples into this uh, upper room someplace in the city of Jerusalem. They have a meal together, washes their feet, and he begins to just pour out his heart. A lot of ways you could say that he's, it's his final sit-down moment with his friends, these men that he's grown to love. He's called to follow him and, and ultimately even continue the work that, that he's begun. And so this is it. Here they are gathered in this room talking about all these things. And gosh, we spent a, a couple months actually just working our way through, through this moment in the upper room. And this is it. Jesus finally begins to pray. Most of our Bibles would actually entitle John chapter 7 as the high priestly prayer. Um, Jesus, of course, is the quote-unquote high priest. And he's praying for um, those that he has called to himself, specifically his friends, but not just those people in that room at that moment, but, but us, all those who would come. So he's um, making intercession for us, like a, like a priest who would make intercession for the congregation. Um, there's so much that could be said, so many. I mean, we could really dissect the thing, um, and there's no end. But this morning, uh, I feel like the Lord has put something quite specific for us on my heart that I want to I wanna do my best to, to zoom in on. Um, there's actually something really cool that's going on in this, this passage that you've, you may have never noticed um, unless you've taken, I don't know, maybe a course at seminary or you're really into reading commentaries. Um, but, but there's something happening here. I, I liken it to, um, you know, like there's certain epic soundtracks that when you hear the music, like it, it triggers something. Uh, like last week, I, I was invited to some, some friends with Jared, Hillary, there you are, Jared, you're back there. They watched all 11 episodes of the Star Wars franchise. So episodes one through nine plus Solo and Rogue One. Um, and they invited people to come. Some of you got the invite, I'm sure. They had epic snacks. 
And <clears throat> I got to watch episode three solo and episode nine. And I've noticed um, one of the things that's so epic about these stories is it's the music. And the way they, they use the music and these particular like unforgettable hooks to like tell parts of the story. So you know when you hear dun, 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 dun. So my boys and I were like singing this epic song in the car on our way over here this morning. I was trying to like remember it. And you cannot help but just get into it. And like you've ever seen the movies, you know like Vader is happening or like, this is what's happening in John chapter 17 now. If there was a soundtrack, if John Williams were to write the soundtrack to the Upper Room Discourse, now there would be a very familiar hook that you'd begin like, oh, I, I, I know this hook. I, I know what this scene is. It's, he's like, like importing this whole world, this whole plot, this ancient narrative into a moment now. And the Bible does this all the time. Um, the Gospel of John in particular. So, think about what Megan just read. Does anyone recognize the tune? Okay. This is Exodus chapter 33. Let me show you guys what I'm talking about. Now, I've, I've just picked out like five sort of specific examples. And, and trust me, I'm not making this up. This is, this is like a real thing. Um, let me show you what I'm talking about. So, well, Exodus 33, let me just set it up real quick because context is helpful. Exodus 33 is the point in the story, the ancient story of God, where he's delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt. This, there's the plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, all these things. It's, it's God delivering his enslaved people. And then they get to this mountain called Mount Sinai. God calls Moses, the priest, Moses, up to this mountain, and he has this encounter with God, and, and it's there that God gives him the, the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. And all of these sort of things transpire on the mountain as, as the priest ascends and God himself descends, and, and it's sort of like this picture of, of heaven meeting earth and God interacting with the priest who's then to sort of minister and lead the people. And so now we're at Mount Sinai, and this is what happens. Exodus 33, starting in verse 13. Moses is praying. He's talking to God, and he says, Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And Jesus prayed, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Let's keep going. Chapters 14 and 15. God says to Moses, and he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Jesus prayed in John 17, 5, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Exodus 33, verse 16. Moses says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, 
It's an I and you're going with us so that we are distinct. I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And Jesus prayed in John 17, the glory that, I, that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Let's keep going. Two more. Excuse me, two more. Exodus 33, 18, Moses said, please show me your glory. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Last one. Is there one more? Yes. And he said, and God said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Um, I would encourage you, go back and reread all of Exodus 33, and then reread John's, the record, John's recording of Jesus' words in John 17. It's, it's like um, he did this back in John 14, where Jesus is um, being confronted by some people who do not believe he is who he claims to be. And he says to those confronting him, before Abraham was, I am. And he uses this famous name of God to sort of place himself in this grand narrative, God's epic story that Jesus is actually fulfilling. It's what theologians call the recapitulation of God's story. Jesus is summarizing the whole story and who he is. He's saying, I am I am the true high priest. And in the same way Moses interceded for the people, I'm now interceding for my people. And in the same way Moses would ascend the mountain, Jesus himself would ascend the mountain. Moses would come down from the mountain with stone tablets, the law. Jesus, of course, would descend the mountain in a different way. And then instead of coming with stone tablets, he would pour out the Spirit. And the law of God would be engraved on the hearts of God's children. Jesus is retelling the story as the new and better high priest. Um, Exodus 33 ends this way. Let me, let me read this to you. By the way, we're going to read a, read a lot of Bible this morning. So if you're into that, you're welcome. If you're not, go get some more coffee because we're going to go deep this morning. Listen to how Exodus 33 ends. This is verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. 
And then Exodus 34, if we just go a little bit further, it says in verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, his name. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and righteousness, faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Listen to this. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. Let him go with us. For it is a stiff-necked people. We are a difficult people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Jesus is the rock. He is the one in whom we take a refuge. It says in um, 2 Corinthians that God, who said in the beginning, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of who he is in the face of Jesus Christ. So on the mount then, God had to place Moses in the cleft of the rock because no one could see him face to face and survive being in the presence of pure holiness. It's like trying to stand on the surface of the sun. That sort of power just simply consumes. In Christ, we're able to come boldly before the throne of grace knowing that our Father wants to be close to us. He wants us to come to his presence. He has made a way. He is full of steadfast love and faithfulness. So this is, we go on and on and on. I mean, the symbolism is multi-layered. It's beautiful. It's master storytelling. It's more than just a story. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done for us. He is the rock. He is the high priest who ascends and not only asks God to forgive us, but who becomes sin for us. That forgiveness isn't just an aspiration. It's not just a spiritual notion. It becomes a reality for those who would be hidden in the rock, in Christ. <clears throat> That's cool, right? I mean, you can nerd out on this stuff if, if you're into it. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. What's the, it's not, it shouldn't be the Vader music. What's the, it's like, it should be the Luke Skywalker music. Go ahead, go ahead. Nope, nope, not sorry. I'm not, it's not doing it for me. I can't, I can't remember it. Sorry. Thank you, Bradley. Thank you. <clears throat> it's, it's me, it's me. Okay. So, but here, I'm, I'm trying to bear with me because I understand, like, where are you going with this? Like, what is, what is the point of all this? How does this help me? It's helpful to understand, like, the, the, the story that God is telling. Like, what, what really has God in Christ 
done for us. And we're meant to actually sort of hear the music and hearken back to Exodus 33 and think to ourselves like, oh my goodness. Oh, I get it now. Jesus is the rock. He is the true high priest who makes intercession for sinners. He's the one who ascends the hill and dies for us. But what, is, what does this mean for, for us? What does this look like as the story continues in our, in our lives? Well, if we keep reading Exodus, eventually Leviticus, Numbers, we find that God's people leave the mountain. They begin their pilgrimage to the promised land. It should have taken them like 11 days, apparently. You can Google it. It ended up taking them 40 years. An entire generation of God's beloved people end up dying out in the wilderness. Moses comes down from the mountain after having made intercession, and it goes really, really bad for God's people. Like, they just, they, they kind of screw it up over and over and over again. As the story progresses, we just see more and more death. Like, death, 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 death. The tablets that Moses came down with didn't seem to be the thing that ultimately delivered God's people into the life that, that God had delivered them for. We just see a whole lot of death. Um, the cause of death, like what really goes wrong as God's people make their pilgrimage to the promised land, um, it essentially amounts to a whole lot of fear and a whole lot of fighting. Or to put it in more uh, modern terms, a whole lot of anxiety and a whole lot of acting out. God's people struggle to like trust that no, like God is really good. And you know what their problem wasn't in the wilderness? That they made their way to this, this place that God had promised that would be their, their new home where they would dwell together and experience like good life. You know what their problem wasn't? It wasn't all of the like hostile tribes waiting around the corner. As, as we read the story, we find that actually along the way, there were like uh, really bad circumstances awaiting them. Like, uh, where are we going to get water? What are we going to eat? And what about these giants that are like ready to just wipe us out at second's notice? And none of those things were actually the problem. Or I can put it this way, their circumstances were not the issue. It was the fact that every time they faced, it, faced something really difficult, like scary, they begin to... Um, complain, doubt, get overwhelmed by fear. They would rebel. They would begin to, um, they would mostly just complain about their leaders, which is an interesting thing. The New Testament actually says quite a bit about like how we're to interact with our leaders, which is of course a very awkward thing for me to talk about. comes down with the stone tablets law this is what it's meant to look like it's a really good uh, sort of like code for life a lot of it's like super 
feels arbitrary or very obscure, particularly to like our modern context, like all sorts of things to do with their diet and like how to stay hygienic and what it looks like to sort of make restitution when there's injustice and, and how to be a good neighbor and, and how to take care of poor people or widows and orphans, like all these very practical things. But the problem is, as the people attempt to sort of like live this out, um, clearly there's something misaligned in their hearts. As hard as they might try to actually live this life that God has laid out for them, there's just there's a disconnect on a soul level, and they just fail over and over and over and over again. Which is why, as like Christians, sort of, and now as we consider like oh, what was happening then. And what was God always, what, what was this foreshadowing in Christ? What did Jesus really accomplish? Because if those tablets didn't get it done and they ended up dying out in the wilderness, if they perished in their pilgrimage, then what is it really? Like what, what makes us different from them? Am I like smarter? Am I better? Am I more upright? Like no, none of those things. I'm just as human as anyone who's ever lived on planet earth, I'm convinced. It's different is what Jesus did was to actually do something for me. He doesn't just deliver me from circumstances. He delivers me, like, within. To something in my heart changes me. And so that makes our pilgrimage um, still full of treacherous, impossible, scary circumstances. But now we're not just trying to live as we ought, i.e. obey the rules. We have been set free to live um, in the new way of the spirit. This law has been engraved on our hearts. We're given new hearts. We've been given the spirit. That's, that's real freedom. That's real freedom. Doesn't mean we're perfect though. Now, okay, let me, I don't wanna belabor that anymore. So there's, there's the story, there's the parallel. What's noticeably different when you think about what Moses prayed and what Jesus prayed? Moses said, look, you've got to be with us. Like, I don't want to go. I refuse to go unless you promise to go with us. And I, I understand these people are super difficult, but you got to go with us. Otherwise, how will, how will, as the world looks on, how will they know that we're your people, we're your special people? How will they know? You've got to go with us. Jesus, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I will be with you and in you. And then at the end of his prayer, instead of simply asking the Father to go with us, he begins to go kind of on and on, as I'm doing now, about God make them one. He begins, that's where his prayer lands. Lords, I'm asking you to preserve their oneness. Make them one as we are one, as we have always been one. I and you and you and me and, and us and them. Make them one. Because you know what really went wrong in the pilgrimage? In the wake of their fear and anxiety and their doubt and the rebellion, the way it worked out was they started to turn on one another. They started to turn on their leaders. They started to quarrel. They started to pick sides. Eventually, the family of God began to fracture to a thousand pieces. The nation itself split apart. 
And so Jesus says, I'm not just going with you, I'm going to be in you. And I'm praying that along the way, as you make your pilgrimage to heaven, home, talking to us now, you remain one. You remain one. Stay connected. This is how the world will know that you're mine. It's by your oneness or it's by the way you love one another. This is how the world will know. You know what this does? A lot of us in here, um, you'll, you'll catch me praying along these lines all the time. Um, Lord, more of your presence, more of your presence. Lord, I just want to be in your presence. Like who's into that? Anyone? Yeah, that's like good, right? Like, Lord, more of your presence. Okay, but what does that mean? Like, what is that? How does that actually work out in my marriage and in my friendships, in my workplace, my communities? Like, relationally, when it comes to like my interaction with people, what is that? What are the implications of more of God's presence? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is reconciliation, there is oneness. There is peace among his people. Instead of fighting and being caught up in fear and anxiety, the presence of God brings his peace. He empowers us to love and to receive love from one another. So I love praying for more of God's presence. But if the answer to that prayer doesn't look like more oneness, more relational connection, more peace, more love worked out between brothers and sisters, even those who we might call our enemies, then we're simply asking for presence as some sort of an emotional experience. I love emotional experiences. In fact, I think we need more emotional experiences. Call me charismatic. But I think we need more of like Jesus in our emotions. Because I think a lot of our healing happens on an emotional level. And you can have all the understanding and all of the self-awareness and, th and think you see everything perfectly clear. And I know what my issue is. And I know what your issue is. And I've been in therapy for five years. And praise God for all of that. But ultimately, like the, the healing and the freedom that we're all looking for and I believe truly need, it, it's got to somehow work its way down into like, the emotional stuff of life. And so we need more emotional experiences. But if the presence of God simply stops at another sort of like warm and fuzzy worship song. By the way, I love that last song we played. Excellent song, Bradley. But we need more than warm and fuzzies. We need whole relationships. We need to learn how to like make this pilgrimage without quarreling, without bickering, without leaving. Without forsaking each other. This is heavy, right? Mm. Can I read something to you guys? One of my favorite prayers. This is another uh, intercessory prayer. The book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Um, Paul. St. Paul. 
he writes this prayer to the church in Ephesus. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And it has to be prayed like that because it's that epic. <laughs> amen. amen. And you know what he writes next? I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. The one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's epic, powerful prayer. Lord, fill us with all the fullness of who you are so that as we make our pilgrimage, we love each other well. We can be gentle, humble, patient. That is the awesome power of God worked out in like actual human life. I find that um, so incredibly inspiring and overwhelmingly challenging. That's what the presence of God does. Oneness. It's actually how we... Um, demonstrate to our world looking on to people who don't know God who couldn't care less about Jesus or maybe do care about Jesus don't like him at all been there done that had a terrible experience save your words for someone who cares whoever is looking on what do they see when God created man he created them male and female and he called them one You ever notice how different male and female are? I'm talking about just men and women. We could like debate about gender things all day long. I'm talking about male and female. I feel like super controversial all of a sudden. Male and female, super different. Wonderfully, difficultly different. And when I'm one with my wife, when we learn how to love each other well and bear with one another and fight for our unity and our oneness, there's something about 
that that actually reflects who God is himself. Oh, and it's a fight. Anyone ever um, remember in middle school, after school, sort of heard about like the fight that was going to go down? You guys remember that? I'm not talking about do you remember the one specific one that I'm thinking of. I'm saying like that moment after school and middle school, like everyone's whispering, like where's it going down? Where, where is it going to be at? And who, who's, who is it again? It's, it makes me feel sick to even think about it. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And you walk down the street, and it's that one kid's house. His parents aren't home, and they've got the backyard. And there's these two kids. I remember as a very, like, timid child, not being excited at all, but feeling like I have to be here because everyone's here. And then the chance starts. Fight, 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 fight. It gets louder and louder. It's like, you guys know what I'm talking about. Did anyone else not have, like, have this middle school experience? Thank you, thank you, okay. I hated it, I hated it. There is, um, can I call it, there's a spirit in this world that works to incite the chant. Fight, 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 fight. They're a threat, they're an offense. They're wrong. They're against me. Fight, 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 fight. And it's easy to get caught up in the spirit of pick a side, dig in your heels, and fight. But our fight isn't against people. Ever. Even those who would try to kill us. We bless them. Pray for them. We do good to them. It's not that we don't fight. It's that our fight is a very, very different fight. The work of the enemy is to incite God's kids to start fighting. It was always that. Go back to Genesis. What happens when anxiety kicked off in the garden? Fear, shame, cover up. The man and the woman they turn against each other. There's just rife insecurity in the relationship. <clears throat> What's the ultimate outcome of sin? You remember when sin is first mentioned in Scripture, Genesis chapter 4? It's in the context of two brothers turning on each other. Two brothers, one murdering another. That's always been the enemy's M.O. Get the children of God fighting. It doesn't matter what you're fighting over. It doesn't matter who started it. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. Just get them to fight, 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 fight. And the church splinters into a thousand pieces as we make our way through the wilderness. And the Spirit of God would say, fight. Fight for each other. Fight for unity. Fight for humility. Fight for the least. Fight for peace. Fight against demonic Spirits and evil forces that would threaten to divide and tear apart. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard the whisper of the enemy? Have you ever been in a setting like this and at the end of it, some of you, I'm convinced you'll know exactly what I'm talking about right now. At the end of this service, 
Everyone will get up, they'll start chatting, you'll drink the coffee, and in a moment, you'll realize, I could leave here right now and no one would notice. No one will even care. And some of you have done it. You've, you've walked down the sidewalk thinking to yourself, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if anyone really sees me in this place. I remember my first time, I was so conscious of this, um, this voice, this subtle but very real feeling. I was at a party. I was a brand new Christian. I was at a party with a bunch of people I'd been invited to. I remember having a lot of fun, having conversations, meeting these people. Someone prayed for me. It was the first time I had ever been anointed with oil. Has anyone ever been anointed with oil? You, you get me, Jorge, right? It's a, it's a biblical thing. I'd never, been ex- I'd never experienced someone got me and said, hey, brother, I want to pray for you. Don't move. He runs off. He comes back with a bottle of Crisco oil. And I'm thinking, like, this dude is so spiritual. Like, I'm just, like, dying to see what happens next. And he sticks his finger in this Crisco oil. And it's like you can see it dripping down. And he, he does this on my forehead. And he starts, like, I'm, like, backed up in the corner of the kitchen at this party. And I'm just like, like, what? <clears throat> And he starts praying for me, this really passionate prayer, and I can feel the oil dripping down the bridge of my nose. And, uh, and I'm like, I had no idea what was going on. It felt like spiritual. And so I remember not, not knowing if I could wipe it off when he was done. So I spent like at least 30 minutes walking around this party feeling like, like oils like dripping down my face. And then, so this was, this was, this was a killer party. I'm like, this is awesome. These people are so on fire and like, I'm so happy to be here. And like that, I felt it. Dude, no one, no one here even knows you. This is, this is all, this is just fake. This guy that just prayed for me, he doesn't know me. He's just getting off on this little spiritual trip that he's on. And I thought, I should just go. And so I did. I just left, and sure enough, no one even noticed. Walked down the street, feeling like, yep, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. No one even noticed. That's, that's that spirit that resides, quote-unquote, in the world, that wants to separate people, isolate people, Convince people that you're alone. You are alone. No one knows you. No one cares. And Jesus prays for his people. Lord, make them one. Make them one. Not unity is some sort of like an HR agenda. One. Intimately connected. Where you are known. Where you are seen. Where you do fight for one another. Jesus' prayer. I go on and on. Um, but I mustn't. Let me give you four practicals, and then we'll call it a morning. Can I invite the band to join me up front, please? Um, I, I promised myself I, I wouldn't stop this morning until I gave at least a few, like, practically, what do we do with this? Um, number one, four, four things. 
stay, um, pray, ask, and receive. Okay, stay, pray, act, and receive. Number one, stay. Stay at the party. Stay at the party. When you hear that voice, you could leave and no one will notice. Stay. Jesus promised to never leave us. He could have done. I bet you he felt like it. But he promised he wouldn't. And therefore we can. Stay. Stick around. Don't give in to that voice. We've all heard it. Don't believe it. You do belong here. God wants you here. Trust me, I really, really want you here. Stay. Um, pray. It, it, it's a fight. It's an absolute, it's a spiritual battle. You're not just making it up. It's not just you because you're that sort of insecure person. There's actually a battle to fight. I remember uh, calling, calling Dave a couple years ago. I wanted to like invite him and Blaine to like sort of be a little bit more involved in church where I recognized there was like a real leadership gifting. And I called him like, oh, hey, Dave, um, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, it's so funny you, you, you called. Um, I was going to call you or something like that because I wanted to let you know that Blaine and I were going to leave the church. I'm like, uh, what? what? No. <laughs> Why? And he's like, yeah, honestly, like I just get the feeling you don't like me. You don't mind me sharing this, right? No, I knew, I knew you wouldn't. You got, if you know Dave, like, <clears throat> I've heard you share this with others. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's classic. That's stinking classic. That's the voice of the enemy. You thought I don't like you? Dude, I love you, man. You're like, I, if anything, I'm intimidated by how cool you are. Maybe you're like picking up on that vibe. But like, see, that's just a lie. It's just a lie. And there is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. And one of the ways we fight is we pray. We come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, can you pray for my oneness? Because I feel disconnected. I feel alone. I feel like I don't belong here. Lord Jesus, help. And we pray. Ask and receive. Um, if you feel alone, disconnected, unseen, like you don't belong, then ask someone to love you. Don't just assume that someone's going to figure it out. Ask someone. If you haven't gotten a phone call from someone that you need to get a phone call from, my friends, part of just growing up is realizing people can't read your mind. Whether it's your wife or just a, a mate at church. Ask someone. Hey, I feel lonely and unloved. Will you help me? I get it. It's like an like incredibly vulnerable thing to do. I mean, it's like embarrassing, honestly. But ask someone, hey, can you love me, please? Would you mind calling me once a week? Don't assume they're too busy because they're not. No one is too busy to make a phone call once a week. I said it. And lastly, um, receive love it's the hardest part um receive love and do your best not to judge people's um like feeble incomplete attempts at loving you because here's what will happen someone will try to love you and it it might be a little lame 
Someone's going to try to actually like show you some affection, invite you in, give you a gift, and you're going to look at it and be like, eh, not, not really what I was hoping for. And we judge their love. Part of it is just a, it's a self-defense mechanism. We sabotage. It's really, really hard. Lord, help us to receive love from each other. Even as we fumble and bumble and, and do it in all sorts of awkward ways. There are people here who need to practice loving you. Will you please let them? Lord, help us to receive love from each other. Can we stand together, please? <clears throat> Lord, help us. Help us to be your people, your kids, the kind of church family, Lord, that fights um, to stay together. As we go on this pilgrimage through this world, through this life, Lord, help us to love each other. Help us to ask when we need help. Help us to receive. Help us, help us to trust you in all of these ways. Lord, ultimately, we can't do any of these things unless you help us. So, Lord Jesus, help. Help us that the world may know you are truly faithful. Amen. Ben?